Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of Pewter Report Podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledger from PewterReport.com. With me today is Matt and Tara, also of PewterReport.com, and we've got a bunch of topics lined up for you today. No topic is more important than the topic with which fans would like to come to us with. So we are encouraging you to give us your questions today, and we will do our best to provide you with answers. We'll kick off today's discussion talking about the Bucks offensive and defensive coordinators and the likelihood that they may lose one or both of these coordinators this offseason slash this coaching cycle to some of the job openings that are out there. And we'll talk about the likelihood we think of that happening. And we'll also talk about some of the other openings that are out there on the NFL or, or actually who would fill the Bucks openings if they happened. And DC and OC were both open for the Bucks. Who do we see stepping into those roles? We'll talk about all that for you on the show today, Matt. Uh, and I'm excited to do it with you, man. It feels like I know you came on Sunday show. Whoa. We're this happens every to us time. every time. Yeah, Only when time. it's you and I. I think this one was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> Only when it's you and I we do that. I don't think I've ever done it with anybody else on the pod. But it's you, uh, you know, it's, you know, the Bucks huddle up in midfield before the game. And our, our pre-podcast ritual is just getting up close and personal That's to right. the fans. Up you know, everyone's got to have their pre-game routine. This is ours. That's what we do. One of our other pre-game routines is drinking this thing right here, Celsius. Uh, Celsius yes. Energy Drinks, the title sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. And man, are we glad they are because the flavors of Celsius and combined with how good they are and the boost that it gives you without the crash that you get from other worse energy drinks, it's really unbelievable. There's no sugar, accelerates metabolism and burns body fat in their energy drinks. The wild berry is what I've been drinking lately in the show. It's going through a peach vibe kick. Which one do you have there? You got one. What'd you have? I'm on the jackfruit right now. I've been on a jackfruit kick. Uh, I've been drinking it the past couple Bucks games. I drank it for the playoff game, which they won. So I will right. continue that uh, ritual. Oh, yes. I think I, I at least had it for the week 18 game. So I'll, when I drink jackfruit, the Bucks win. So I can continue to do that. And I'll have this during the show today once I finish my water. So it's great stuff. It's live branding. And, uh, <laughs> right. And Celsius, uh, people don't know, uh, that comes in a bunch of different flavors. You can see a bunch of them on the screen there. Strawberry guava, Fuji apple pear, tropical vibe, orange, orange sickle. There's so many good ones. And uh, you can get them yourself. You could go to Celsius.com. You can use the store locator to find out where they sell them near you. Now they are pretty much all over the place. And I think they've got a new like passion ma mango passion fruit, I think is at 7-Elevens now so that's another one you can check out the newest one i think that's out there and uh yeah so it's a great opportunity that you can get some celsius coming to you every day you can also do that with the amazon subscribe and say if you can get some celsius coming to your house on a regular basis if you're a regular drinker like the peter report podcast staff of course are and i would be remiss if i didn't mention the best protein bars that are out there fast right. protein bars can't say enough good things about them. Uh, favorite protein bar I've ever had, white chocolate cookies and cream and the caramel peanut crunch. And right now, if you click the link in the YouTube description, you can get them both. You can get both flavors coming to you for 20% off on Amazon. All you have to do is use this promo code, 20FASTSTART, white chocolate cookies and cream, caramel peanut crunch. Love them both. Honestly, both are great. If you're only going to get one, I might say go caramel peanut crunch. I know others might say white chocolate cookies and cream. I really think both are outstanding. I eat, ate a white chocolate cookies and cream just the other day, um, and they're, they're really good for you, but also they really are filling and they taste good too. That you don't get with every protein bar. So really good stuff from our friends over at Celsius. Use that 20 uh, fast pewter, um, uh, 20 fast start, excuse me, as the promo code 
uh, for that one. So make sure you check that out uh, as well. That'll give you some good protein bars coming to you on the regular. All right, we're going to get questions coming in here from Bucks fans. We already have some, uh, and we will get to the, some answers here in a second, Bucks fans. So have your questions and have them ready. If we get a bunch, we will try to prioritize the super chat ones. Just a heads up for you all. Uh, we always try to do that. Um, That's what I was going to say. If you want to cut the line, if you want to cut the line, yeah, do that super chat and we'll answer it. We're, we're shameless. Right yeah, away. we're shameless. We're shameless. You send <laughs> us money and we'll put you at the top of the list. <laughs> Let's talk about this coaching situation, Matt, with uh, Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich. There's a decent chance that both of these coaches are gone this year. Last year, I know the rumors were out there. Honestly, I would have been pretty surprised. There was a, like an hour, I think, that I remember us, our staff, we were hearing things and we were like, oh, Bowles might be. Like the Lions might really want Bulls. And then he was kind of just like, ah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> so it yeah. was a, like, a wise decision by Todd Bulls. That's yeah. that's when you know he's a good coach. And he's like, yeah, this team, yeah. thanks, not, but no thanks. Right. Not time to step into that circle just yet. And yeah. th- these are very different situations. Let's talk about Byron Leftwich first. There's less interest in Byron Leftwich, but the interest that's out there might be more pointedly pro Leftwich than any team is right now pro Bulls. For example, the Jacksonville Jaguars are the team yeah. that are most commonly linked to Byron Leftwich, obviously where he was drafted and played. And that connection right now seems very strong. They have brought in Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator, for a second interview. Eberflus is getting strong consideration there as well. Rappaport said today that there's assuming there will be a second interview with another coach that is currently in the playoffs. Everyone believes that's Leftwich. Um, so they are waiting to do a second interview probably with Leftwich as well. Then it would be Leftwich and Eberflus as the top options for Jacksonville right now moving forward. That's an interesting one. I think that there's some real reasons to go Leftwich, but I've heard, Matt, that Leftwich, and not he's not alone in this, is not crazy about taking a job where Trent Balk is the general manager. And right now Trent Balk is still the general manager in Jacksonville. There is some real concern around the league about him. And so that could hold things up for Jacksonville if they are not willing to move on from him, which right now they've obviously not moved on from him. That could keep Leftwich from maybe pulling the trigger to go there and maybe keep him around in Tampa because there's other teams that have been interested in him. I don't think he's at the top of anybody's list other than Jacksonville, though. Yeah, and that's the big key into all of this is if you're looking for a head coaching job, why would you want to go to a place where the general manager seems to be on thin ice. And if you have one losing season, general manager could be fired right away. And everyone knows when you, when you hire a new front office, when you bring in a new general manager, the GM is going to want to bring in his guy, most namely his guy being a a head coach and usually like a a quarterback. The Jaguars obviously have the quarterback situation figured out with with Trevor Lawrence as their first round pick uh, from last season. But we've seen, especially with a team like the Jaguars, like they just fired Urban Meyer. It was his first mm. year. He couldn't even get through the entire season. So the Jaguars aren't going to be afraid to fire another coach in their first year when they've right. had so much turmoil in the organization other than the boat Blake Bortles getting to the, the AFC Championship game uh, a couple of years ago when, when Leonard Fournette was on that team. So that's definitely a situation where I'd be like, hey, you got to guarantee that if you bring in a new general manager – in the following season that I'm still going to be there. I think Leftwich, he's got some things going for him. One, mm. and you can look at this at, at a number of ways, not even just with Jacksonville, but overall, the things that Leftwich has going for him, for Jacksonville, obviously, is that he's he's played there. But one, he's an offensive coordinator, and the league obviously is more offensive-centric. 
and you're going to be more inclined to hire an offensive coordinator when everything's all about offense now versus a defensive coordinator where, yeah, good point. You know, it, it might not be the next fit. Also, and I think this goes a long way too. the fact that Byron Leftwich was a quarterback in this league, not just a player in the NFL, but a, a quarterback. And the fact that people knew him, he, he he's, he's a name that many people are familiar mm-hmm. with. Players resonate to that. You know, there's all players, coaches and True. authoritative guys. And sure, you, you can be a phenomenal head coach and not have been a pro NFL player. I'm not knocking anyone by that. But I think mm-hmm. there's something about being in that fraternity of football players. You you experience the grind, the training camps, all that grueling stuff. And to come in and be a head coach, especially a first year head coach, I think players are more inclined to listen to you and, and believe in your system and your philosophy than maybe some other candidates out there. Yeah, no, I think those are great points, Matt. I mean, the fact that there is that offensive lean right now in the league, you look around, look at the NFC playoffs, all seven teams that made it, they're all led by by offensive-minded head coaches. And in the AFC, I think four of the seven maybe it was, and then three of the seven maybe, and then there was two special teams, there was special teams interim. And there was kind of some, some stuff like that. But, you know, Belichick is a defensive guy who's had a long time offensive coordinator play. Same thing with Sean McDermott in Buffalo. They've been, they both hung on to Josh McDaniels and Brian Dable way longer than anybody thought they would. Those guys are in the coaching conversation every year. And it just goes to show like right now, if you don't have stability on your offensive coaching staff in the NFL, you probably aren't a factor. Like that's just reality. Like there's yeah. there are not many teams that are a factor in the NFL without offensive stability in their coaching staff for whatever reason. And a part of the problem is teams are realizing, oh, we are a defensive minded head coach. You know, Vrabel's are perfect. He's probably the, the best case scenario example, right? Like where he's had what two OCs now get mm-hmm. high, fire, hired as other, you know, LaFleur and Arthur Smith, I believe, are both his. And they both got hired, you know, as other teams' head coaches. And he's the Downing's there now and Downing's getting looks now. So he's gone through, he might go through three here in the next couple of years. And if he can maintain a winner, that'll be great. He is by far the exception, though, rather than the rule. If you have a defensive mind and head yep. coach and you're going through offense coordinators, your best case scenario is usually more like the Steelers, right? Where like Todd Haley air ended. Randy right. Can you, find, can you find the next up and coming yeah. offensive court? Yeah. Right. It's a, it's we're eight a and eight. you know, we're in the playoffs, but no, we're not really a contender, you know, right. No, it's a, it's a very Canada, yeah. tough uh, situation to navigate because you want to find the best qualified offensive guy. If you're a defensive coach, mm-hmm. but as soon as that guy has too much success, you know, he's out the door and you already got to find the next replacement. So, right. Yeah. It's uh being a defensive court, a defensive minded head coach is, yeah. is really tough to navigate in the NFL. It is, it is for sure. Uh, Michael Anderson, by the way, says if there are 250 likes on today's program, the NFL will suspend Aaron Donald <laughs> for fighting. I don't see a lie there necessarily. I mean, it can't hurt to have We're 250 close. likes on well, today's program. A close. And influence the NFL's issue. We, you never know what makes an effect. So I agree with Michael. Uh, definitely, the Giants fired their head coach due to social media outlash. So I, I I mean, (laughs) the Jaguars might fire their GM due to social media backlash, and all the Jaguars people on Twitter changing their avies to clown faces. It could. Um, That will have an impact on Leftwich situation, though. I think if Leftwich could pair up with a GM that he could trust, he would do it. I think Matt. Here's the hangup. I don't know if that's going to happen in Jacksonville. And so he, I don't know that he knows what he's going to do. Um, and I'm saying this somewhat guessing from the situation, somewhat of what I've heard from talking to people. Um, so I don't know what the, and I also don't know how the Jags feel about Everflus. They may actually end up liking Everflus more than they like Byron Leftwich. I'm not sure about that. I just know they like Byron Leftwich. I think everybody knows that at this yeah. point. 
but they really seem to be the only team. And if you're Leftwich and you're like, okay, I'm 41. I've been an offensive coordinator for three years. I'm going to get to coach Brady for another year, at least probably. And my name will probably remain hot in the coaching cycle next year. I don't think that's going to fall off. Bucks are probably going to be Arians is pretty much had a top five offense every year. He's coached anywhere in the NFL. So it's a pretty sure bet with Leftwich That'll happen again. And Brady back. So I don't think he needs to feel pressure to take a job, in my opinion, uh, on a very unstable organization. I know he played there, but Jacksonville's not very stable. You mentioned the GM position. I think keep him for a couple of years. But if they fire Balk and they hire a new GM, he probably has no say in that process. Whereas if he goes into a place clean, like a, a Minnesota situation this year or mm-hmm. Chicago where they're hiring GM and head coach, he can kind of marry up with the GM he feels like is on the same page as him. And that's important, Matt, from his experience in Tampa Bay because what that if, happens in Tampa Bay. That's a big deal. What if the Vikings go with John Spytek, the Bucks, uh, you know, uh, whatever his title is, but he's he's very high up in the front office. Right. What Vice if they president take, of player personnel. Yeah, yeah player personnel. Yeah. What if they take Spytek and then Spytek's like, I want Byron Leftwich as my guy. That could be a package system right there. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's yeah. a pretty extreme now, hypothetical situation. What, what, That's I, interesting. what I, yeah, what I did want to say though is, um, as you just said, that Leftwich doesn't have to take a job right away because he's mm-hmm. so young in terms of his his coaching career and his being an offensive coordinator. So that yeah. would be my reservations if I were going, and not that I'm against Byron Leftwich or I don't want Byron Leftwich to get a job because I think everyone should be able to excel to their their highest capabilities right. and what what they think they can be. My reservations for if why Leftwich maybe shouldn't be the higher right now would be because of what you said. Like, he's so young in his offensive coordinating career. Like, he, he had the brief stint as the interim offensive coordinator with the Arizona Cardinals when that was just, you know, complete mishmash. You know, the team wasn't going anywhere and everyone was going to yeah, clean house. That, and then he comes straight right. into a situation. He had one year with Jameis Winston, and then he's had Tom Brady as his quarterback. And so you can't take anything away from the fact that the Bucks have had the, some of the highest scoring offenses since Brady has been there and left, which has been the offensive coordinator Before, even, and, even with yeah. Winston. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, even this year, they were number one for a very long time. I believe they ended up second because you know, the new Orleans game kind of screwed mm-hmm. everything over, but I would almost, if I was looking at left, and I'm thinking, let's just say the Jaguars, hypothetically, he's coming to the situation. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence is really talented, but he's still, you know, he's going to be a second year player that still has so much time to develop. Uh, you know, you could make the case Leftwich hasn't worked with a guy that he's he had Jameis for one year, but Jameis was already, you know, he was on his fifth year. Right. You're coming into a situation where Leftwich hasn't really been in that situation where he's had to mold and really help uh, a young quarterback pro- progress in his career. And can he take that guy to the next mm-hmm. level? Where if you're looking at, let's just say, the Bills and offensive coordinator Brian Dable that you mentioned before, he took Josh Allen from the beginning yep. and made him the stud quarterback that he is now, or even obviously like Eric Bieniemy is, is a, the offense coordinator for the chiefs has been mentioned for several years now, but you know, he's all, obviously a lot of that is Andy Reid, but I think he deserves some credit too, taking a young Patrick Mahomes and seeing what Mahomes is now. You're right. I would be more inclined to see, get a coordinator like that versus left, that outside of the Jameis year comes into a situation where you have Tom Brady, the goat, and you have so many mm-hmm. weapons on offense where a team like Jacksonville, sure. They got some guys here and there, but you know, it doesn't even compare to what the Bucks, <laughs> what Tampa Bay has yeah, on right. offense. So yeah, and I know some people. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on those reservations. It's not even necessarily a knock on left, which it's just like, 
we haven't seen him in these, this situation, and we've seen other guys in this situation. Like, to me, if you're Jacksonville and you're not seriously considering Brian Dable, you're crazy. I don't even know if they've interviewed Brian Dable. Like, they're crazy yeah. to me. Like, to see what they did with a quarterback who's physically a lot like Trevor Lawrence but was actually further behind probably mechanically and mentally than where Lawrence is when he got drafted, and certainly in terms of facing level of level of competition, like Josh Allen was further behind than Lawrence in a lot of ways, and they built him from the ground up and – he went from a bad first year, oh, you know, kind of disappointing second year to really, really great third year, and now an awesome fourth year too. Like that's the kind of trajectory you need to be on as you build the team around. You need to be following the Bills model if you're Jacksonville. And Dave yeah. has the track record of doing that. Now that doesn't mean Leftwich can't do it too. It just means we just haven't seen him in that situation, right. which is an like important I feel like Leftwich should have a little bit more seasoning because he's only been a full time offensive coordinator for three seasons, and yeah. you know it's not his fault. You start when you start. But again, some other guys who've been there for longer and the situations they've been in, I think there's a case to be made for those guys. I agree with you. And and I think the Jaguars and the Bears are the only teams to interview left, which correct me if I'm wrong, somebody in the chat. It's hard to track these things. All the sites have different results. And I, I rem- we've written about all of them, but we should have yeah. a tracker up maybe for ourselves. But yeah, yeah. I, I think Bulls is at four. And I think Leftwich is a two, but somebody correct me if I'm wrong if they, if they have evidence that he's went somewhere else. Let's talk about Todd Bowles for a second, Matt. You mentioned the Vikings situation with John Spytek. The Vikings are currently, to, to me, the Vikings are the most likely landing spot for Todd Bowles, in my opinion, for a couple of reasons. They want, I think they want a true leader, a veteran leader who players will love and respect. At the end of Mike Zimmer's tenure, this is most of this is out there. Some of it's talked about behind, but at the end of Mike Zimmer's tenure in Minnesota, there was a lot of bitterness, like players and him didn't necessarily see eye to eye. He had been very, very hard to work with, and that had, had kind of gnawed at players over time. I think Todd Bowles has a sterling reputation in terms of his relationship with players. He's soft-spoken. He's a little bit more gentle about the way that he goes about things, I think. Um, he's laid-back personality. It's a very he's a different very, personality. He's a funny guy. You wouldn't see, you wouldn't notice it in the press conferences, but every now and then he'll put in little quips that are very mm-hmm. funny. He had a funny thing about winning the lotto. But uh, also, like, off-camera, Todd Bowles is, is a very funny person. He's got a, a dry sense of humor. But yeah. obviously, yeah, that's something that players would uh, certainly not have a problem with. Their coach yeah, and I think guy, good guy. they don't have, like, a quarterback in waiting. I know they drafted Kellen Mond, but that doesn't seem, like, very likely to work <laughs> out. And so yeah. I don't think they have really a guy right now. Like, they have Cousins for another year. They're probably, they might trade him, depending on who their new GM is. This could be a spy tech bowls marriage situation in Minnesota, in my opinion. They could look at what the Bucks did and look at some of the ways that spy tech, I mean, spy tech is kind of behind the scenes. Bucks fans might not know, been incredibly resourceful for the Bucks. Like his ability to go f- and help Jason Light find players mm-hmm. in season that can help this team. I mean, you can think back over the last couple of years and think about all the players, you know, but he, he contributes there. He contributes to the draft as well, especially the later pick. They've hit on some of his guys, you know, kind of quote unquote in the draft. Um, I, I believe he was a big Cam Gill guy as well. If I remember from his conversations with Scott and, you know, he, he just has a really good eye for talent. Um, the Vikings have interviewed some guys like that and they've interviewed some, no scouting experience, very analytic minded, math, more math oriented, cap managing, team managing, personnel managing, not necessarily scouting type GMs. And so they have to pair them with someone who with more scouting experience. Both models are very intriguing to me. I don't think there's just one way to do this thing, especially because the the second version of a GM I just described is a fairly new commodity around the league. Um, we've seen some teams have success at it and some teams not. And so, you know, I, I don't know what the Vikings are going to do. And from Vikings people that I talk to, 
it really depends who they hire as general manager. So if Spytek is hired as general manager for the Vikings, then I think it, it becomes like Bulls probably becomes a top option. Because if you're Spytek, you may love Leftwich. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Spytek and Leftwich are, are tight. Maybe they're boys. But if you're Spytek and you're going somewhere, you're like, all right, this is my first chance of being a GM. You might want a coach that's done it before that you know isn't going to be surprised by the job, that you kind of know what you're getting a little bit. Now, Bulls wasn't very successful in New York, but they had a serious talent issue. as, as Right, time and their their first season, the Todd Bowles' first season as a head coach was actually, I believe record-wise, was his best. The, uh, was the 10 and 6? Was that the 10 the and Jets 6? went, they went 10 and 6, and they didn't make the playoffs because Ryan Fitzpatrick threw an interception on, like, first and goal at the five-yard line. He threw an interception. The Jets had to win in Buffalo to go 11 to five and get the wild card. And they did it because of that game. But I think Todd, I actually like the fact that Todd Bowles, like I would use that as a, as a positive for Todd Bowles, that he does have head coaching experience. I understand it didn't work out, but let's face it. None of the coaches have worked out in New York mm -hmm. for an extremely long time. So I think that's something to be said more about the Jets franchise than it, than it really is Todd Bowles. And I think Bowles, again, going into that situation, Minnesota, Quarterback situation they have to find out, but you got pieces there with Justin Jefferson and, and Dalvin Cook. So you you know you you got an interest, you got some framework there, mm -hmm. and then Bowles will obviously have his entire imprint over the defense and get improving things there. And honestly, going to the NFC North is not a bad place to wind up. Like obviously the Packers what run that division, but Aaron Rodgers right. has a ton yep. of strife with that front. Once Aaron Rodgers leaves, it's Good an point. open playing field for the yep. NFC North. Bears are not a good team. They're looking for a head coach. Sure, they have a, a quarterback that they at least they hope mm -hmm. that can become something. Right. Detroit, we obviously know we all love the head coach, Dan Campbell. Play, mm -hmm. Players want to play for him. But, you know, they're a mess, too. Right. They're not going anywhere anytime Talent soon. Talent-wise, Chicago and Detroit are near the bottom of the league. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So going to Minnesota, if you can mm -hmm. hope that I Aaron Rodgers leaves the division, that that's wide open, and that's a really enticing uh, no it's, pun intended yeah. to Mike Tice, who used to coach the Vikings, but that's a really an intriguing opportunity right there. <laughs> well done. I, I do think that Spy Tech, if he gets hired there, and they've interviewed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight GMs, I believe, that we know of. I do not know where he ranks in that group, but I would imagine whoever that GM that gets hired is is pretty important in terms of because they're going to let that GM for sure from basically the people I've talked to. That GM will have a heavy say in who the next head coach. This won't be a Raiders like situation where Gruden becomes head coach and then decides Mike Mayock's going to be his GM. They're going to do a yeah. GM to coach. And I always thought that was weird. Say. Like, why would you let the uh, coach decide? Cause what if agreed. the coach starts struggling and then the GM yeah. has to fire him, but it's like, Hey but dude, the, I don't think in the Raiders it. situation, I got, I, dude, it could yeah. happen that way. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. But that. So yes, they are building it from GM to, and you're also talking about an organization that while they have done a lot of things poorly, they are more stable and they've kept coaches for a while. Like I sure. could see Bulls in Minnesota. I can't, I don't honestly I don't think I could see him in Chicago. Like I, I don't I just don't know about Chicago. What other places does he interviewed? Uh, did he interview with the Giants? I don't I don't think he even interviewed with I don't the think Giants. The, I Giants don't think... hardly interviewed anybody yet. Yeah, well, because the they just they're... fired Joe Judge like yeah. later after they said that they were keeping him. So right. they're a little. They're trying to get the GM situation figured out. I don't. Out. Yeah, yeah, I don't think Miami has really been linked to. Yeah, to he, he like Jacksonville, Chicago, and Minnesota for sure for Bulls. And yeah. again, Jacksonville, like, man, if you got the options, you're not picking Jacksonville. Like Minnesota is the most stable environment. And, and also, do you want, if you're Bulls, do you want to go somewhere and work and have a rookie or a second year quarterback like Chicago or Jacksonville? 
I just don't know if you do. And if you move on from Cousins, you but can they have could, your clean slate. They could be back. Yeah, but they could be back in that situation if they say if they're done with Kirk Cousins and then right, they, they look could for a quarterback. Be. Or they, but, in two but they years could get their quarterback too. You know, and yeah, maybe it sure, is important sure. to him to work with Lawrence. Maybe that's really important to him. I could see Bulls going somewhere where he's like, you know what? Minnesota's kind of been built on defense in the run game. And that's kind of, yeah. you know, even though he's with Arians now and it would be a big change, I could see him saying, like, that's kind of what we want to be. I mean, you remember him in New York. I don't remember when he was there. Who was even their quarterbacks at that point in time? Like he, he probably wanted to run the football, if I'm remembering correctly, in New York. Yeah, the Jets, since Rex Ryan was there, they always wanted to run the ball. So his mm-hmm. first quarterback was Fitz, and then they had Fitz the next right. year, but there was that whole um there's a whole contract thing. Like the whole summer is like Will Fitz resigned. He he ended up re-signing. Then after that, uh, who they had they had that like Christian Hackenberg was in there for a very, mm-hmm. very hot second. That was Probably one of the worst picks of franchise history. That was horrible. And then I think he was there. I think his last year, I would have to look it up, but I think his last year was like Sam Darnold's rookie year or something along those lines. So yeah, Bowles went through a couple of different quarterbacks. So he's definitely uh well versed in, in that situation of going through different quarterbacks, trying to find the right one. Yeah. He hasn't necessarily found the right one, but you know, it's a new day. And second right. time around, yeah, you learn so much more being a head coach. Right. I agree. Good points here. Uh, let's wrap up this discussion with some questions um, from people. Uh, Michael wants to know what potential replacements are currently on the staff. This is a good question. This is a hard one to answer. We kind of know defensively. We we have we have reported for a while now, and mainly Scott, you know, to give credit where credit's due, has reported for a while now that if Todd Bowles were to leave, Larry Foote, uh, who's the outside linebackers coach right now, would likely take over as defensive coordinator. He would likely be promoted. Um, now, if Bulls could try to take foot with him and he could be Bulls defensive coordinator, but being a defensive coordinator to a defensive minded head coach is, you know, typically not as great of an opportunity as just being able to run the defense, which I believe Arians would let him do in Tampa Bay. And obviously he'd have a, a good team, you know, where most of the places Bulls are going, it's probably going to take a little bit of time. Right. And so that could be a big deal for foot. So I think he'd be crazy to leave, crazy to leave guys he knows as he gets to be a DC for the first time. It'd be different if he was, you know, had done this three times and was going, just going wherever he wanted to be. But like, He's got to, st- I mean, he's going to stay in Tampa Bay. So I would imagine foot would be the defense coordinator. Offensive coordinator becomes trickier. I think Scott's pretty convinced that it would be Kevin, Kevin Garver. Garver or Thad Lewis. He said has an outside shot at that one surprised me. He told us the other day. I don't know. You know, he'd have to be on here to talk more at length, maybe about that one of, I think is Lewis like an assistant wide receivers coach right now. I'm trying to remember his exact yeah, title. It's, it's something they like him, but to go right to a play calling role without even being a full-time position coach would be a big move. Yeah. Um, Two things I'll say. The Larry Foote thing I would absolutely love because we've only gotten to speak to Larry Foote a couple times during the season, but he he's very out and open, kind of like how Bruce Arians is, where, remember, we were asking him about why Joe Tryon-Tryanka hasn't gotten as much time, and he essentially said, well, the, you know, the guys that get paid the most, they get the first opportunity, which is why, like, JPP was getting so many snaps and Joe Tryon-Tryanka wasn't really uh, seeing the field too much, so... From that perspective, I would love just the fact that he's very out and open and will probably tell you like it is versus trying to sugarcoat mm-hmm. some things. Kevin Garver, what I will say, it's tough with the Bucks because, you know, it's really just been left which calling plays. We haven't really seen too many other guys like Bruce Aarons obviously used to call plays before before he was the Bucks head coach. I will say, though, just being at practice every day. Every single practice while guys are warming up and, and, and stretching and stuff like that, Byron Leftwich is always walking uh, laps around the Taking entire laps, field. Yeah. 
And usually one of the assistant coaches that that is walking with them side by side is wide receivers coach Kevin Garver. So I'm just I'm I'm sure at some point point they talked about what's it like, you know, play calling, just gaining wisdom from from uh, Byron Leftwich. So I think Leftwich, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if he has taken Garver under his wing. And um, that's why he could be the next guy in line. OC is trickier. Like this is because it could be those guys that we mentioned, or you know, Goodwin was technically the OC, I believe, in Arizona for Todd or for uh, uh, Bruce Arians, but Bruce Arians called plays, so that could be the structure again. Like they could just say, you know what, Brady's you know near the end, one or two more years, we could bring in a, a totally new play caller for him, or Arians, who's probably involved in the process to some degree now, at least. You know, could just be the familiar. He is the most familiar with what Brady wants, where Garver's been working with wide receivers all this time. You know, and, and it's the easiest transition is just for Bruce to call plays again. Goodwin can act as the OC in a lot of personnel ways and still in a lot of duties, just like he did before. The structure is familiar with the coaches that have been on the staff. So that could be how they do it, too. And he could remain assistant head coach, I guess, as well. Um, before, I think in Arizona, Scott told me Tom Moore was the assistant head coach, I believe there and you know I, I forget what his exact title is now like consultant or something like yeah, that or yeah. just og or something like that you know basically for tom moore and so <laughs> the og, the the OG yeah. Staff. yeah right i like that. um so that could be a possibility too so goodwin factors into this as well he's a little bit less clear one thing we have not uh, said was will there be an outside hire in those positions do not believe so outside hires to fill no. the some of the position groups maybe thad lewis is he working with receivers now am i remember that right he's the assistant from... yeah he's the assistant okay. receivers coach so it makes he sense used to play quarterback Barber... though back in the okay. i believe like quarterback right. he was for duke yeah for duke and for the bills yeah. yeah yeah um and uh so i think thad lewis would become the wide receivers coach would be my guess uh just if i'm guessing um, for Kevin Garver, and then he would be on his way to kind of working up too if Garver got promoted. We'll just see. Offense is a little bit harder to figure out. Defense, I think, would be pretty seamless in terms of yeah. uh, that move would happen. The other part of it that's interesting is if Bulls leaves, Casey Rogers, the Bucks defensive line coach, who I think is excellent, might go with him. He was Bulls defensive coordinator, right? With, with New yep, York. with the Jets. Yeah, he was. The Jets. So that could be another factor. There might be a ripple effect. And Bulls also could try and take an offensive minded guy to be his offensive coordinator yep. from the Bucks staff. It's possible. I'm not even saying these things are likely necessarily, especially if the Bucs are looking to promote somebody. That's the thing. If the Bucs are looking to promote somebody to OC and Bulls wants the same person, you're freaking crazy not to Right, yeah. Bucks. Why would you leave this situation? <laughs> right, especially like, offensively, if Tom Brady is still there, like, oh, yeah. I could be the offensive coordinator for Tom Brady? Like, In a couple of years, I, I could get yeah. hired, like Byron Lovett, right. Like, Yeah, <laughs> you'd have to have some. So I don't, I'm not too worried about the coaching staff getting raided, but for somebody like Rodgers, it is more likely than somebody like Garver, I think, in, in a lot of ways. So some things to keep in mind there. Okay, we had an extensive conversation about that. Here's the last part of that dialogue, okay, Matt? Who do you think the Bucks would be better losing, either Bulls or Leftwich? I know some people think that, so we've got to throw it out there. Um, and <laughs> is there one that you'd rather <laughs> lose so, over another? There's like so many things. At the end of the day, I both think they're good coordinators, but there's so many things about both guys that, make you want to just slam your head against the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, see, like, here's the thing with Todd Bowles, man, is we've gotten so mad about playing JPP so much and blitzing too much and playing this soft, soft, yeah. soft, soft coverage. Some. But I think a part of me just feels like Bowles plays this rope-a-dope which is crazy because it's insane to do it for a whole regular season, but he plays his rope-a-dope in the regular season 
And then they just turn it on in the playoffs like they did last year and essentially against the Eagles. And it's like, where was this all season long? Is he really just saving his best for mm-hmm. for the defense? I man, but and then Leftwich, you know, we we've obviously had yeah. so many so many things we are frustrated with him. I think at the end of the day, with the Bucks just continue continuously having, you know, thirty points a game, you know, uh, establishing establishing that and being one of the mm-hmm. highest scoring offenses, I feel like you'd rather keep that in place. So I think the Bucks would be not better off, but if they could afford to lose one, I think they could lose balls and bring in a different defensive coordinator who might do some of the things that, you know, we have been asking for. So I agree with you, but I want to put out there first that I do not want either to leave. And I know that might surprise some people because I have been critical bulls in the past, but I have watched the defensive tape over the second half of the season closely. And when games that they have most frustrated me, I'm not saying bulls has done everything perfectly at all. There are definitely issues you are going to, people need to understand no matter who is the offensive coordinator and who is the defensive coordinator, you are going to have issues with them at some point in some game plan, sometime when something doesn't work. Yeah. The greater body of work for Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich, it is highly unlikely that whoever replaces them next year would be better than either of them. I'm that's my opinion, but that's near fact, Matt. Like it just is very unlikely that that would be the case that either their of their replacements, if it's foot or Garver, whoever would be better at them. First, there's the inexperience factor that helps. Second, both of these guys, for all the criticisms we may have at certain points, and that's, again, I say this all the time, every offensive coordinator in the league is the least popular dude. It really is true. I mean, like I've yeah. seen people, no, you're every right. Rams game, they flip out about McVay. Like every team in the league would want McVay on their staff. Every, you know, so people are always second guessing those people, including us. Like that's part of our job. And sometimes we're right. People are tweeting fire Bruce Arians for getting the $50,000 fine. It's like, you are an absolute idiot and a moron and a dumbass if you think that, but you know, I guess we have those conversations all the time. So people need to understand like the criticism that comes with some of these situations is always going to be there. So people are like, oh, I can't stay in Leftwich. You're not going to be able to stay in the next guy. I guarantee you, (laughs) you won't be able to stay in the next guy. If that's your perspective. Reality no, is this: point. every single year that Byron Leftwich has been an offensive coordinator in the NFL, which is three now, and one was not with Brady. By the way, keep in mind yes. that team has put up points. Yes, is he ruined some stuff in Arian's system? Sure, but when Brady came in and they wanted to change some things to the buy last week, Leftwich listened to players, which is a huge positive trait in a coach. He heard what they wanted. He melded it with what Arians wanted. He was the bridge, the go between. He made it work. He made it happen. Those are great traits, man. You do not want to lose that guy. Like, you just don't want to lose that guy. Plus, he had a great game plan the other day. He had some great game plans in the playoffs. There were some things I didn't like. By and large, by and left, which has done a phenomenal job. Bucks are up there in neutral pass rate. Yeah, I wish they did play action more. Like, yeah. no question. But that's not a left which thing either, by the way. Like, Paul was talking about this today, and I've talked about it for forever. Arians has never used play action. So, not a high degree. He's always been near the bottom of the league. So, left which has just come into that situation and said, this is how that's how things are. Like if anything, they've increased it a little bit, but that, that's that part of it's neither here nor there to me. That's not a left. I don't have a criticism of left, which in that way, um, by and large, big left, which fan given what we have to view him by, which yes, is with a pretty good roster of players. Most of his time, he's done a really, really good job. I don't know how anybody can look at the bucks, every number since he's taken over other than Jameis's 40 some turnovers that he had, <laughs> like, Every number has been great for the Bucks offense, like every year, but tops in the league. Like, it's just hard to argue with that, like those kind of results. That's all we have to judge him by. If he goes somewhere else and he was a terrible offense coordinator, we might judge him differently. But this is all we have to go by from our vantage point. Todd Bowles, 
you know, say what you want. I watched the second half of the season, Matt, and I said, these players are screwing up. Like, players aren't doing their job. They're not tackling. Coach, like, miss, yeah, missed tackles, you know. Missed tackles, you do as a coach, dropping picks. Yeah. yeah, I mean, guys getting out of their lanes, whether it's in run defense or in the open field, where they should their pursuit lane should be, um, allowing big plays, you know, the, that kind of stuff is is happening too much. And, you know, people will go, we'll blame everything on coaching. But I, I don't know that that's it a lot of the time. Now, are there times Bulls needs to chill out with Blitzen? Is there times his coverage has been too soft? Yeah, he's had some horrible game plans. He also had some unreal game plans. And like you said, no question, dude's cranked it up for the playoffs. He's got a huge test coming up this week. We're going to talk about the Rams in a little bit. I know people are anxious uh, to get into that as well. Let's get to some of these questions here. Jonah with the $5 super chat, would you look into the 2022 free agent market or the draft class to replace AB or take a chance with Grayson Johnson Perryman and put money elsewhere? Thank you for the super chat. Thank you, Jonah. No question for me, Matt. And then I'm curious to your, to your take. I think the wider receiver three position is important this off season. We'll talk about it more once the buck season's over in a lot of depth about what players and what fits and who could be a good option for this offense. Um, there's no chance I'm going into next year with Grayson Johnson and Perryman battling it out for wide receiver three. Zero chance, in my opinion, that I would do that. I don't think they'll do it either. No chance for me that that would happen. Four, five, six, sure, great, fine. Darden's going to be in the mix. Scotty will be in the mix. Those five can battle it out for two spots. It's three spots, I guess, if you're keeping seven and somebody's in the practice world, whatever, however mm-hmm. it works. No question, that's fine with me. But wide receiver three, you need a baller. Like you need to go get somebody. And that's where, in my opinion, they need, it doesn't mean it need, need, it needs to be a huge expense. I mean, AB wasn't a huge expense. There's a good, there's good, solid, reliable veteran player. You could put in that role. They don't need to be a star. They need to be able to do one or two things. Well, I'll talk about some of those things probably in the off season. Um, but to me, I'm, I'm trying to now the draft class is an option too. I don't want to, I just re- realized I misread Jonas question here. Um, the draft class is an option too, for sure. If it's a rookie, I'm fine with that. And it could be their first round pick. Wide receivers, there's yeah, so, usually a deep group. And in this class, it seems to be as well. So I'm very open to it being their first pick too. Yeah, so I think I would actually lean towards the um, going going the draft class. Just yeah. because like too, Good you're point. already going to have to re-sign Chris Godwin. And we're all in agreement that it's more than likely that Chris Godwin isn't going anywhere. He's going to stay with the Bucks. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you're still going to have to pay him. And we've talked a lot about a lot of the other guys that they that they still have to pay in free agency. Hopefully Jordan Whitehead comes back. They obviously just extended Vita Vea. But at the end of the day, if you're going to sign a big-name wide receiver that's already in-house with Chris Godwin, it's going to be tough to get another big-name or you know mm-hmm. serviceable guy in free agency. So I can see them signing a wide receiver, but you know how there's always waves of free agency? There's the initial... The first yep. day of the year when it's the new, in quotations, new NFL season, and you see all the big names off the board. I don't think you'll see any of those guys. Second, maybe even third wave of free agency, you might see a, a wide receiver that could pop up mm-hmm. that's been a, a solid number two receiver somewhere else come over yeah. to Tampa Bay. Or if they go through the draft, which, again, I said I would probably lean on more, first, second, or maybe third round. But an early yep. draft pick at wide receiver for the Bucs to solidify that third wide receiver and, you know, be, become that offense that they wanted when Godwin and AB uh, were yeah. healthy. I really agree with you. I misread this question and answered it very poorly. I'm sorry, Jonah. I completely agree with Matt. This draft class is the way to go wide receiver, in my opinion. I will have better takes on which wide receivers as we get out of the season and into the draft. We'll be able to watch some of these guys go into the seat. Matt and I will be at the senior bowl as well, so we'll be able to take a look at a lot of these players here in a couple of weeks that are, that are seniors in the class. Seems like this draft class in general is terrible, and the wide receiver class is good. You know, th- there's some position groups that are good that are better yeah. in this class, and wide receiver seems to be another one that it's another year where it's going to be pretty deep. 
good class of receivers, I think is a good chance you can find somebody of value into the first round, maybe in the second round. Tons of good wide receivers are going in the second round recently. Um, who knows if that'll be a trend that continues. But the other good part about this in terms of looking at wide receiver, you're right that they don't want to go spend a lot of money on in any position other than re-signing their own guys probably in free agency. The good news is that they really probably don't have to, Matt. Like this is, you know, everybody's going to look and say, oh, can the Bucks re-sign everybody? It's not really going to be a concern, in my opinion, in terms of cap space. The only question is going to be if they see the players as valuable enough to re-sign. Chris Godwin and Carlton Davis, I don't think that'll be much question as long as Godwin's recovery is going well. I think those guys are going to be back. We've talked about that. Nobody on our staff really doubts that those players will be back uh, next season. And one form or another with Davis, he may get tagged. The question marks then become like Jensen, Kappa, uh, whitehead players like that and then it becomes a question of value what they're getting in the open market but also value but even if you lost whitehead you have edwards you know he's a really you good have player so, on field, yeah. in, yes and you can safeties are cheap like that is a cheap position to fill generally speaking compared to other positions around the league compared to like a wide receiver two or even a wide receiver three in a lot of situations so the positions they need to fill are not very expensive the types of defensive tackles they need to sign if sue were to retire and mcclendon were to retire I don't think Golson's going anywhere. He'll he'll be back, I'm sure. But if, if the, again, the types of defensive tackles they'd be looking for, not going to be an expensive player to sign. Same thing at guard. You know, if you want to go, you can. Teams are finding guards that start for them all season at the end of the year, every year. You know, it's not hard to find a guard that can plug in. And again, they have a guy like in house with Stinney. Yeah, or if they, right. If they, they really have, trust like they have Nick some Leverett options in house. He develops yes. more. Yeah. Hansy could could be the starting guard next year if that he too. develops. That's a they have a great option there, Stinney. There's competition there. Both those guys, I think, would be fine if they had to do it for a season. This offensive line is – they have four great players around them. You, you can – that's not a hard fix, not an expensive fix. So even if they lose people, they're at pretty low-value positions. They're not going to be paying a premium. And Brady is your quarterback. You know, Cap, he's a good player. He's a solid player. He's not an elite player. Like, losing him is not going to kill you in the run game or pass game. And so a lot of these are cheap fixes. The positions you really go into the draft, in my opinion, need – Let's evaluate corner and see how the year finishes out, but I don't think you you need it. You're probably okay at safety. If you lose Whitehead, it may be a priority at some point in the draft, but again, you're probably not looking for a starter. Veterans are very cheap if you want a veteran third safety. Andrew Adams is probably going to be a cheap re-sign. They love him. He's obviously done very well when he's called upon. I don't think it's a stressor position, you know? Defensive tackle is, but Scott told me he's watched a ton of these he, guys he hates, already. Yeah, hates the D tackle class. Thinks it's absolute trash. So we'll he see. He didn't like it last year, year right? Yeah, yeah. And he, exactly. and he looks right because everybody <laughs> in the league basically that got drafted sucks at defensive tackle. It's a terrible. Looks like a terrible class of rookie year. So defensively, yeah, there are not. I mean, edge again. You have two good. You have your starters next year, and if JPP's back on a cheap one year because he has surgery, and you don't sign him again until the summer, and then Anthony Nelson's your third guy. I think you're fine. You know, so you could draft best player available at those spots and be even better, but you don't need anything yet on the defensive side and on offense. You could go into the draft. Same thing. Like running backs, you can find anywhere. They like Vaughn Bernard could be back. So like, again, they feel like they can fill out. The big question is who's the wide receiver three. Cause there's not anybody on this roster that I believe is wide receiver three next year. And there's not enough money to go out and sign a real quality veteran. So use a high pick on one, have a wide receiver of cheap, for a while that helps complete that trio. That's what I'd be really excited about uh, using a wide out or uh, using a, a high pick on a wide out in this draft. I'm going to be all about wide out in this draft, Matt. Just and John, you. let's not forget too. players want to come and play with Tom Brady now. So Tom Brady is your ultimate recruiter. And since he's been here, 
there's there have been veteran signings that have happened late in the summer. For example, Leonard Fournette, when he got cut by the granted, he got cut by the Jaguars, but mm-hmm. they signed him like a week before the season. Then he had Antonio Brown signed in season, and then this offseason, I, I could be wrong, but Giovanni Bernard wasn't signed until again, like that third, fourth wave of free agency. So, like the safety position again, if Whitehead is gone, that seems like a prime situation where they get a guy maybe a couple weeks before training camp starts, but he's a veteran guy that. Sure, maybe he'll give up some assignments, but he'll get you a couple of interceptions too because most veteran defensive backs that stay in the league for a long time but move around to a couple teams, sure, they might miss some coverage assignments, but they're usually, I know they already have a ball hawk with Mike Edwards, but they're usually guys that create turnovers and that's why they're still in the league at this late in the age. So safety would definitely be that old veteran position that they signed late in the summer next year. Yeah, it definitely could be. I mean, you see good players getting picked up late all the time. And Eric Weddle just got signed off the street and played 19 snaps. After what, two years? After two years? That's absolutely crazy to me. Uh, I wonder, how has he just stayed in shape? He's retired. Like, it wasn't like he was like 25, 26 and like phased out of the league, but has been like training for, he retired. Like, how do you stay? Maybe Bob Maybe Bob Sanders will come back yeah, if he's healthy, heck. you know. <laughs> Man, he was a fun player. My God. He was awesome. He was just all he was always hurt, but yeah. Yeah, awesome always hurt. But oh my goodness. He was so much fun. Uh they talk about him potentially putting him in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, look, I love the dude, but he barely yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. This. That'd be a good um, list to make. Like best players that were awesome, but were just too hurt to play consistently. Yeah. Could That'd be a good list man. for would be. someone out there can make that list. Might be Bob off Sanders season. would be on. Might be a off season pod for us, summer pod for us. We'll yeah, the one that got away or something That's like right. that. We'll work. Injury out. reports are out. Shaq Barrett full participant today. Giovanni Bernard limited participant. Tom Brady did not participate today. He's resting. <laughs> Levante David. Where was he? Uh, I don't know. We spoke to him. <laughs> That's right. Levante David was limited again. Uh, Mike Edwards full again. Cyril Grayson also did not participate again today. Not great. Ryan Jensen was listed as did not participate. They were actually, you actually did a good job with this, Matt. You were on it. You said, all right, Jensen did not participate today. Some other people out there, actually, I wouldn't, I, I would name names just jokingly if I remember. I don't remember who, but I know some people said that he practiced today. And I was like, people, eh, listen, I he was out there. Was like, he was he, out well, there. Okay. But, so here, here was the confusion. No, just helmet, so, right. so people understand. So all the offensive line had already been out there for 10 minutes. And I'm talking about mm-hmm. the starters, Ali Marpet, Donovan Smith. Um, they all walked out, Alex Kappa. They all walked out. And when all the offensive linemen come out, they all walk out with their helmets. They had their helmets in hand. They had already been practicing for like 10, 15 minutes. Then Jensen walked out. And when Jensen walked out, he was in his jersey, which is why mm-hmm. it could be confusing that, oh, okay, he's wearing his jersey. He's practicing. Right. But he walked out there and did not have a helmet or anything. And it was right towards the end of the session that's open to the media. So we only saw Jensen out there for like a minute or two and the offensive linemen are all the way on the other side of the field. So it's tough to begin to see in the first place. So, you know, could it have been a situation where his helmet was already out there? Yeah, I guess so. But when all the other players already walk out there with their helmets, Ryan Jensen, I think is the last guy on the roster that would get special treatment where his helmet is already out there. So when I saw him without his helmet, I was like, okay, maybe he's just out here watching practice you've seen that in the past where guys will come out and watch practice wear their jersey but not participating so i called that i feel a little vindicated yep. but um yeah good yeah call he didn't you. practice that that's what i noticed i was like all right well he doesn't have a yeah. helmet with him he's probably not practicing right. but yeah did not Ronald jones also did not participate even though it looked like he was kind of out there right ronald jones was was at least doing he was warming up today. he was stretching he yeah. was jogging 
So, so I yeah, he listed him as DNP still. So Steve McClendon got a rest day. SMB got upgraded to limited. So he's moving in the right direction. Don't know whether that's good or bad news for the defense. Uh, Brashad Perryman still did not participate. I'm starting to wonder if they're going to be down Brashad Perryman this week, Matt. Which, yeah, uh, interesting. I mean, four of si- your top six wide receivers now would be out. It would be Evans and Tyler Johnson. Playoff Scotty. I mean, it's got to have to be Scotty for like a full game. And then <laughs> they might just someone Brown. someone uh someone had in the comments they were like you know put Scotty Scotty is Debo Sam Samuel pretty much <laughs> and it was like all right well you know Scotty's getting some rushes maybe they could do that but, all right all right next man um, up that's that's been the that's mentality right. all season so yeah Jason Pierre Paul did not participate don't see that as a concern uh, Josh Wells is limited once again I think he'll start and Tristan Works did not participate as we knew he would not. So tomorrow will be a day for Tristan Wirfs. Obviously, we'll be evaluating him, and Bruce Arians will announce some people who are definitely out. Um, so he may mention Wirfs, or Wirfs may be probably doubtful. I don't. I personally think Wirfs is a long shot. I could get stunned tomorrow, and he could be questionable. I've seen crazier things happen, but not many crazier things than a high ankle sprain playing six days later. That would be that would be wild. That um, might you know be what else Saturday would be wild, thing. Matt? What would be wild? You know what else would be wild? It would be wild if you went to underdog fantasy right now and doubled your first deposit. All you have to do is enter the promo code pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, enter the promo code pewter, and you could double your first deposit with Underdog Fantasy. The best part, though, you can go bet on player under, uh, player over under player stat lines for this weekend's playoff games. So much fun. Adds a layer of intrigue to the game. Makes the whole thing awesome, to be honest. And here's, here's the best part of that, Matt, is that right now, you get like a free one with Debo Samuel over one yard receiving basically. <laughs> so you get a free one as you do these pick two, pick threes, and you can go up to like a pick five and win 20 times the amount of money that you put in. And you can put it up to $25. That's the max entry. So you can go up to $25. You can do a pick five. You get four of them, right? Because you know you're getting the Debo one, right? You get pick four, right? So like Tom Brady over you know, 270 receive passing yards or you know those kind of, of stat lines. If you get four of them right and you get the Debo one right, you win up to 20 times the amount of money. If you put in 25 bucks, I'm not good at math, Matt, but that's a, a lot of money. And so that's the opportunity you have with Underdog Fantasy right now. And you can sign up and they'll actually double your first deposit when you sign up. So literally you get to do this with free money that Underdog Fantasy is giving you because they're doubling your first deposit. There's no catch here. They're doubling your first deposit with that promo code Pewter and you get a free one of your picks. So if you do a pick two and you enter you know, to win, uh, double your amount of money then you get one of those is already free <laughs> so you already only get yeah. one right to get money it's like basically a foolproof system so go to underdog fantasy use the promo code pewter download the app too it's very clean very easy to use right now so awesome opportunity underdog has for you i'm definitely taking advantage of this weekend i can't wait i'm gonna put a couple slips in to be honest um and see if i can get something going for this weekend uh because it's a great opportunity uh, with underdog fantasy and they always have a lot of those it's 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 a new big thing people should check it out and, and use that so promo many code different Peter. prizes and and like tournaments yeah. and stuff like that too it's they always have so much fun stuff that yeah. you definitely have to get in on they absolutely do Giovanni with the five dollar super check greatly appreciate this Thank brady you. will put up points especially at home all depends on the defense do you think they put davis on obj and double cup yeah i don't think they're going to double cup all the time but on third downs i bet that there's some bracketing going on there and I do think you'll see a little Carlton Davis on Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know if he'll shadow wrote, him or not. You wrote about that. Yeah. You wrote I, about that in your would. Bucks briefing, that that's yeah. the best way to attack it. And Cooper Cup has annihilated the Bucks every time that he plays them. So 
pretty much at this point, you could just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. But uh, yeah, I mean, your best, the other team's best receiver, I believe it's a wise choice to double team. And we'll, yeah. we'll see if the Bucks do that. Nick, I'm sorry that I cannot pronounce your last name, but I appreciate this $7 very greatly. Nick C says, I thought Brady was coming back for at least one year. Now there's chatter that he's retiring after this year. Thoughts? Be very careful with these. Chatter that he's retiring this year. All that means is Kevin O'Donnell went into today's pressers and asked everybody if they would be surprised if Brady retires. <laughs> Doesn't mean anybody's actually talking about him retiring or that there's even a rumor out there that he is retiring. There is not. Uh, nothing substantial out there. It's all retiring. just opinions. It's, all, said, it's yeah, all opinions. He said many times that he'll at least play out his contract. He's under contract for another year. There's no concern in my mind about him retiring until after next season we'll see and evaluate. He said, I'm going to keep playing as long as I feel like I can play at a high level, if, at my level you know that I, that I know I can play at. Until that doesn't happen anymore, I'm going to keep playing. Well, there's no question he can play yeah. at that level right now. Plus, he, he's and, got the he's got the Brady brand to push. So uh, yeah. him playing longer helps. Yeah. I'm sure helps yeah. with sales. And there's a very clear window here for the Bucks. They have some free agents, but like I said, there's there's cap space. There's cap space down the road. There's a lot of avenues. They're going to bring most people back. They'll have one of the best rosters in the NFL again next year. He knows that. Um, but honestly, as long as he's still balling, I think he's still playing. So it wouldn't be surprised yeah. me if it's after this year. But yeah, that's. That's not chatter. It's just reporters trying to get to a story that probably isn't there. I'm not discrediting them. That, that's their job. You know, if, if there was something said like, oh, yeah, I've had some conversations with him about yeah. the end, you know, then it would be a story. So he's just trying to dig and see if there is one. He asked three or four people today. There, Nobody's reaction was anything, any cause for alarm um, at all. And Leftwich actually seemed to kind of laugh off the question. He was like, come on, dude, this guy's balling yeah. right now. <laughs> like, what are you <laughs> talking about? Um, so, yeah, that's that's uh that's how I see that uh, question there playing out, Nick. Um, I know people are asking about wide receivers in the draft, Janaris Robinson, Traylon Burks, some of these wide receivers that are out there. Um, I Olave. just not, I have not, yeah, Lave's out there, Garrett Wilson. A good chance all of these big names is available at the end of the first round, by the way. Almost every year, one or two wide receivers that people swear are going top five, go down later, later in the draft, go in the second round. It happens every single year. So good chance somebody's available for the Bucs. I have seen some of these guys. I don't have strong takes for you yet. You remember from last draft cycle, I am not somebody who puts out takes until I've studied the player. So I'm not going to say anything and then look like a fool two months later when I'm like, actually, he's awesome. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I was I was just making it up last time. He's actually a baller. I'll just wait until I can get a really good look at him before I say. But there's definitely some guys, as you've pointed out, there's some guys in this class for sure. And I've seen enough of them live to know that there's real talent um, for sure. Bendix wants to know, do we expect Jensen to play? Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. I would be this, very surprised. You know, the guy, he he didn't miss a snap in the game. No. No. So, yeah, just just rest, just rest up this week and play some. As Ali Marpet said today, dude, dude's built different. Just yes, he is. <laughs> you know what else is built different, Matt? Our friends over at Pin Chasers, where you can have bowling, food, and fun with your family at a bunch of different locations. Tell these people about Pin Chasers, Matt. Tell them what they need to know. First of all, Pin Chasers is owned by huge and proud Bucks fans. They have mm -hmm. season tickets. So if you're going to Pin Chasers, you're supporting fellow Bucks fans in the community mm -hmm. in a great time of the year when the Bucks are looking to go 4-2. And one of the best things about Pin Chasers, John, is the fact that they have deals literally every single night. They got Tuesday, or you could eat pizza night. They got Thursday, all you can bowl, and $1 Miller Lights. You go on their website, pinchasers.net, and you can find 
different events, different leagues. The Peter Report Bowling League just wrapped up uh, in late December before the start of the new year, but we'll be back in the spring. Uh, they have multiple different bowling leagues, multiple different nights. Uh, you can set up a, a birthday party, a, a night out with your friends. The food is very, very underrated. Mm-hmm. They got pretty much anything you want you can ask for with food and drinks. And it's a great time to go out. And because there's multiple locations, there's probably one in your area. So go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane or book a party, and you will definitely enjoy it. And again, you are supporting fellow Bucks fans. So make sure you yes. go to Pinchasers. Yeah, and a, and a proud sponsor of the Peter Report podcast who's been with us for a long time. So we definitely really appreciate yeah. your support of Pin Chasers if you're able uh, to do so. All right, Matt, uh, we got to, we're getting to the point. We're going to wrap up this show, I think, here a little bit. Let's take a couple more questions here. Um, Eddie wants to know, no one mentions that Stafford will miss his left tackle, but everyone is obsessed that Brady will miss his right tackle and assume he'll play like trash. I'm not sure who everyone in our Those things are rarely true in our business that everyone or no one exists. But I will say this, Eddie, I do not think that Andrew Whitworth is not going to play. I believe Andrew Whitworth is going to play for the Rams. Their injury report from today is not out yet. Whitworth may not practice all week. You know, he's a 40-year-old offensive tackle. He doesn't really need to practice uh, this week. But he does have a knee thing. I thought it was an ankle yesterday. Apologies on the show. He has a knee thing going on. Um, But, yeah, I I don't know why people are assuming he won't play unless I missed a comment. I I haven't seen anything suggest he won't. He went back into the game against – against Arizona and played foul fine and showed him on the sideline several times. He looked like he was not dealing with a tremendous amount of pain. Looked very different from the way Tristan Wirfs looked. Let's put it that way, since you're comparing the two situations, Eddie. So I do think it is a big difference. Also, this is a very important fact. The Bucs do not, I repeat, do not have Aaron Donald on their team. So that's where it becomes a very (laughs) different story when you're talking about Aaron Donald, who may move around a ton, who will play over the right tackle playing against the backup tackle rather than in Whitworth against John Jane or Jason Pierre-Paul, who normally play on the right side. Good players. JTS coming on nicely. Gave Whitworth a couple good reps last time, but obviously not the same degree as Aaron Donald going against the backup. So Something just came to me, John. I think we we talked about this week three, and we have an opportunity for it now. Um, The Bucs haven't done it in a while, but they used to line up Vita Vea in a fullback or a tight end in goal line situations. They haven't done it in a long time. But if they do, for whatever reason, decide to break it out this week, we once again could have a matchup of the unstoppable force against the immovable object where if Vita Vea lines up at fullback and they do uh, they run a handoff play and Vita Vea, even as a lead blocker, runs straight forward and collides into Aaron Donald, that'd be one of the all-time moments in NFL history, and I really hope it happens. That just popped into my head, so I want to say it out loud. Yeah, and Russ Weeks <laughs> points it out as well. We have Vita Vea, so yeah. <laughs> we have a Hulk. <laughs> no, I think it's a good point. Vita Vea is a good player. If you think he's Aaron Donald, you're, you're tripping, though. No, it's yeah, a different I mean, dude. He's, he's, yeah, yeah he's not you play Donald. you play Donald outside over tackles. You know, Vea's going to get one or two reps there in crazy packages where they're trying to confuse people, but they're not necessarily asking him to win one-on-one out there all the time. Like, Donald plays a healthy amount of his snaps as a DN, basically. So it's a... There's no player like Aaron Donald in the league. In my mind, he's – I know old school fans will get mad when I say this because Lawrence Taylor and, and some others, but in my mind, Aaron Donald is in the conversation for the best player of all time defensively. Like, I think he's that good. I've watched him for years. I've studied him. I've never seen a defensive lineman in general get the kind of attention and game planning he does. Watch the Bucks game if you want a perfect example. I mean, they tried to put three guys on Donald. They literally sent two <laughs> linemen to him, and then they they sent Fournette after him. And you, that's hard to do with a D-tackle. You open yourself up in other places. 
if you do that with a D tackle, but they just, they could not, they, they were like, we have a great guard. We have an all pro guard and it is, doesn't matter. We're still sending help. Like that's what you have to do. That's how far above everybody else in the league. This dude is like just reality. So special player. It's going to make things really hard. If you're trying to downplay that, like miss me with that. Like miss me with that. Not saying the bucks can't win. Absolutely not. I played out yesterday detailed ways that they can win. He Brady is a great, in some ways, remedy to Donald because he gets the ball so quick. Uh, it, it helps remedy anything on a consistent basis too. Um, but obviously got one last time. And so we'll see It'd be a huge challenge for sure. It's going to be one of the bigger challenges, probably a Brady's career, to be honest, I think uh, going to this game, but nothing he hasn't. I mean, he's handled obviously really tough situations before. So lots to get on a lot yesterday, by the way, if you're looking for that pod, you can go back to yesterday's show. Scott and I went in depth on this matchup. We laid out the game plan for how we would attack the Rams defense. If we were the box, how we would attack the Rams offense. If we were the box, you can give your thoughts, check out that pod, listen to it. You got a couple days to digest it all. If you could, before you jump out of this pod, hit the like button for us, share the stream. If you have somewhere to share it with, if you have people to share it with, that would be interested in these questions. Even if you have friends that are Jaguars fans, friends that are Bears fans, any of these things, share the stream. Hey, these guys had an in-depth conversation about Bulls, Leftwich, the GM situation. If you're friends that are Vikings fans, Share the stream with them if you would. That does a, a tremendous amount of work for help for us. We've also added like almost 200 subscribers in the last like five days or so, yeah. which has been incredible. Y'all are a huge part of that, obviously. And if you're a new subscriber with us, we love it. If, you, if you're listening, you haven't subscribed with us, please subscribe to Pewter Report TV. Again, hit that like button. Give us a thumbs up on the way out of here. We greatly appreciate that. Helps us out a lot on the show. Y'all are a huge reason why this thing is growing as fast as it is. We'd love to be at 10,000 by the draft. We'll see if we can pull it off. That'd be a lot of fun, obviously, if we can get there. Uh, but y'all are helping this thing take off, and we really do greatly appreciate it. We talk all the time about how great y'all are. And so we're going to close this thing out strong because we got on game day coming up on Sunday. Paul's leaving me. Paul's ditching me this week. So I'm not even sure who's going to be with me yet. I've the got heck, floaters. Paul? I know, and you're going to be at the stadium. So we got to yeah. see who's going to join me. But I'll be going Sunday on the live stream for sure for Bucks Rams at 3 p.m. Well, actually, 2 p.m. We'll be doing live for pregame. Yeah, it's a three o'clock start, which is yeah, kind of three o'clock yeah, start for whatever. the game. Two p.m. will be going live with the yeah with the pregame show. Three p.m. will be live with the in-game stream. So again, right here, Pew Report. We'll have the link up right on the YouTube. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you've liked and you're ready to join us for the live in-game stream on Sunday. Going to be a great time on the show. We'll live stream the whole thing, and then later tonight after the six thirty game between I forget who's playing now at six thirty. The Bills. Uh, Chiefs? I right? think it's Bills Chiefs. Yeah, Bills yeah. and Chiefs. After that game, we will do the post game podcast. Bucks win, you know, victory party. Bucks lose. You know, either way, we'll go post game party uh, on at night on uh, Sunday night too. So be prepared to spend the day with the Peter Report crew for the Bucks game against the Rams on Sunday. Until then, thanks so much to y'all for listening to another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Out.